Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. Lately, uh, I've been contemplating the meaning of life, and I think I've been doing this because I'm in a fantasy football league that I absolutely hate. It brings me no joy. I, I'm in my, my, my wife's family's fantasy football league, so I can't leave or I'm just a, a bad husband. And the thing is, I've been doing this for over five years, and I've never won the championship. I've not even come close. They are so good at this league. And uh, every day I get home, typically on a Sunday, and I judge these athletes for not performing well enough for me in this real NFL game while I sit on my real couch thinking, oh my goodness, how am I ever going to win? And so I, I lose most all games, and halfway through every season, I, I rage quit. Anybody with me? You're just like, I give up on this game. There's no chance on winning. I have no hope. Why should I even try? And it's like, when I win a game, I think to myself, oh yeah, of course I won. I should win. I'm awesome. But when I lose a game, I'm like, why did I lose? Not again. I had the perfect team going on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody here play fantasy football? And it's just so frustrating. But yet, every year, I sign up to play again and again and again. And I have to ask myself, what's the point of this game? Why am I playing just to lose? Is this even worth it? And maybe you can't relate to my pretend fantasy game, but maybe in life, you ask yourself, what's the point of life? Why do I get up to go to work every single day? Why am I changing these diapers? Why am I making these arrangements? Why am I going to class? Why am I working so hard? Why do I wake up in the morning? Why do I even get ready and start my day? What's the point of all of this? Is life just a game where there's no end? And there's no chance I can win. You know, in the Gospel of John, there's a, a scripture that says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There is a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Now, what does this verse have to do with the question, what's the point of this life? Why am I even trying? What is the point of it all? Well, the Jewish audience, when they heard this scripture, they would say, oh, in the beginning, I recognize that. That's how all of the Old Testament, the Torah starts. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And they would have thought, okay, he's about to say something here. But Greek philosophers and people steeped in Greek philosophy, they would have thought, 
oh my goodness, he's actually saying a phrase that's really loaded. Because when he is describing Jesus, he says, in the beginning was the word. And he describes Jesus as something that was uncreated, something that actually created all of the universe, all of humanity, all of creation. In the beginning was the word. And the word for word here is not word, believe it or not. It isn't written in English in the original language. It comes from the Greek word, which is logos. Everybody say logos. And so logos, it, it can be translated as word or reason or thought, but this was actually a word that was quite packed from a philosophical standpoint. You know, Greek philosophers, they would observe the universe, all that was around them, the seas, the stars. They would see animals and trees, and they would say, this is so grand, and this is so orderly that there must be some sort of impersonal force behind all of this that creates it to be in harmony. There must be some sort of purpose and design and an idea behind all of this grand creation. Otherwise, it would be chaos. And so there are many different philosophies like Stoicism or Epicureanism or Nihilism that try to create meaning behind all that we saw in the world, all that we saw throughout the universe. And they were looking for this force that brought everything together. And then the author here that we're reading in John says, in the beginning was the word, and that word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And philosophically speaking, this was a huge earthquake in the realm of all philosophy. And a lot of these thoughts that I'm getting are from a pastor named Tim Keller, and he really unpacked that. They took this impersonal idea of a story that linked us all together, and they said the reason for life wasn't just this magical force out there. The purpose of life wasn't something that we just create ourselves. All of it, the purpose, the meaning, the rationale, all of that was found in a person, and his name was Jesus Christ. And this incarnation, God becoming flesh, represented the answer to this question. What is the purpose of life? What is the meaning of life? And they found it's not an idea. It's not a thought. It's not a logic. The purpose of life is found in a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. And this has changed a lot of our human thinking from this point on. You know, I love this quote by uh, an atheist French th thinker, and he writes, The Logos for the Greeks was the impersonal, harmonious, divine structure of the cosmos as a whole. But to the horror of the Greeks, the Christians maintained that the Logos, in other words, the cosmic principle, was not the harmonious order of the world, but was a single unique personality, one outstanding individual, namely Christ. By resting this case on a definition of the human person and an unprecedented idea of love, Christianity had an incalculable effect upon the history of ideas. To give just one example, it is quite clear that without this Christian reevaluation of the human person, the philosophy of human rights to which we subscribe today would have never established itself. And so this is the thinking of an atheist French philosopher. Human rights came into existence because we believe that the force of life dwelt in a human. And so this idea of logos really points to purpose found in Jesus Christ. And I know a lot of us are seeking meaning in life. 
We're looking for purpose. But we're not going to understand our design if we don't understand our designer. You know, I, I have this problem where in the morning, sometimes I will make breakfast for my kids. And by making breakfast, I mean I heat stuff up in the microwave. And we have things like, you know, toaster strudels, or we have little gluten-free pancakes, or we have these waffles. And I don't like to read the instructions before making the food. Anybody with me? I like to just follow my heart. I'm going to follow my own truth. We'll see what the Lord will do. And so I put these pancakes in the microwave, and they come out just boiling, steaming hot, and my kids cannot eat it for five minutes, and now we're missing the bus because I didn't follow the instructions. Or it's scolding hot on the outside, but it is just a tundra of Siberia in the middle of the pancake, and my kid can't eat it. Who knows what I'm talking about? And it's all because I don't followed the logos of the food. The design is all written in the instructions, but the food will not operate like it's meant to function unless I align myself with the will of the creator. Are you following with me? I feel like a lot of us are trying to find the purpose of our lives. We're trying to find our identity. We're trying to find what do I do with my life without seeking the one who created us. And it leads to us not functioning like we ought to. We're either too hot, we're too cold, we're not this, we're not that, we're not satisfied. Uh, maybe you can relate to this picture. I was going to show this earlier, but this is me every single morning. Reading cooking instructions off the bag I just threw out. And so we find ourselves in a bind. I know I'm not doing what I ought to do. I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do either. And so we go our own path, and then we find ourselves looking for instructions when things seemingly seem too late. Have you ever been there? And so this whole idea of finding our design in a designer is important because all the cosmic realities we see in the world has an intention, and it has a purpose. And that means that you and I were made on purpose for a purpose. It reminds me of the scripture in Ephesians 2.10. It's one of my favorite scriptures that says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Meaning that God had a plan for you. God had a reason and a rationale for all of us. When you were made, he had an idea in mind. And for those of us who are lost... All we need to do is seek through Creator for our instructions. You know, growing up as a Sri Lankan in Minnesota, I really never felt like I fit in. I never felt like I, I really mattered, to be honest. My sister is seven years older. My family raised my sister. She went off to college. Then my, my family divorced. My mom and my dad, they separated. My sister is off. My dad was at work, so I was in the home alone quite a bit as a kid. Many of you know my story. I got into a lot of trouble, started selling drugs out of my house, got arrested a lot, failed a lot of my classes, and I, I just felt like I was aimless. I didn't have an idea of what was my life here for. Why do I even matter? What do I do with my existence? Maybe you felt like that. Why am I here? If I died, would anybody even notice I was gone? Does anybody even care about me? Am I making an impact in this world? 
And I would try to find meaning in my friends, but I just couldn't. They rejected me. I tried to find meaning in sports, but I was a horrible athlete. That's why I play fantasy football and pickleball. <laughs> I, I just wasn't good at any of these things, and I couldn't find purpose and meaning. I would try to find meaning and ask like questions to my science teacher. Where, where do we all come from? Why do humans exist? And I'd get answers that were not very satisfying when I was going through an existential crisis. Because during this time, I, I, I was quite seriously contemplating ending my life. In fact, I tried to end my life two times because I didn't think my existence really mattered. I remember going to my science teacher and I said, why are humans here? Where did this world come from? And this was before I was a Christian. And she basically said, well, life began because you started off as goo, and then you went to the zoo, and then you became you. Basically telling me that, you know, you are a cosmic coincidence. You, there is no intention. You don't really have a purpose. You don't really matter. There was a Big Bang. All of the world was created from physical matter. And so all of the physical universe was created from physical universe with no plan, no intention. And then somehow out of that, there was, uh, you know, some bacteria and some single cell life, the goo. And that evolved into becoming some sort of fish and then creatures that walked on the earth, the zoo. And then, you know, brains developed and we became thinking, rational beings. And that's how you develop pretty thin. So I was like, so it really doesn't matter. There's no purpose beyond my life. If I died, I could just be a casualty of evolution. I could be a casualty of life going on. It doesn't really matter. And I honestly, I'm not like taking a harsh stance on, you know, evolution right now because I believe that there are varieties of spectrum of what we can believe as believers of how God created this universe. But what I am saying is that when we tell young people that you're a cosmic accident, in a cosmic coincidence, they believe us. And when we tell people that there's no purpose or intention, and in the cosmic idea in the life cycle of the universe, that you are just a blip in this earth and that you don't matter, people believe us. And so we should not be confused when we see deaths of despair rising in our nation. Because what is one life? What is the the value of a life. I mean, doesn't evolution and Darwin thinking mean that for the survival of the fittest, some people just die, some people live, and that's how we grow stronger as humanity? And so maybe your death is actually beneficial for the existence of humanity so that we can get stronger as a whole, so we should kill the weak among us. And so I just remember thinking, I, I'm the Sri Lankan in Minnesota. I'm not good at sports. I'm not good at school. I'm not a great thinker. I'm not very popular. I wasn't like <laughs> what I thought I should be. And so I thought maybe if we're all just cosmic coincidences, maybe if this quest of humanity is just evolution, maybe I'm just one of the people that needs to die. I'm not the fittest, and so I should not survive. And we see that these deaths of despair in our nation are increasing, and I'm really concerned. In the last 20 years, it's grown by 30%. People choosing to end their lives. There's legislation being passed right now to prevent Amazon from selling suicide kits to teenagers. 
we're seeing that our life expectancy in America has actually decreased the last two years. And the number two killer of Generation Z is suicide. We have a major issue of a people that don't know why we matter, why we exist, what life is here for. Have you noticed that? People are just kind of going through the motions. And not just being disenfranchised with Christianity. I know we talk a lot about deconstruction of Christianity, but I feel as a society, we're deconstructing capitalism. I feel like we're deconstructing government. I feel like we're deconstructing workaholism. I feel like we're deconstructing our origin story. And we're falling into these pits of nihilism where we just say life does not matter. And as a pastor, this is greatly alarming to me. I believe that when we believe we don't have a purpose and that there's no design for our life, and when we can choose to live however we want, do whatever's right in our own eyes, that's not freedom. Because in my life, when someone said, hey, God did not create you, you can do whatever you want. You're a cosmic coincidence. There's no purpose. There's no design. You can choose your own path. You can follow your own hearth. You can follow your own truth. For me, that was slavery. And I found this, that freedom from God is a trap. Freedom from God is a trap. You know, there's a quote by Leo Tolstoy, and he writes this, my deeds whatever they may be, will be forgotten sooner or later. And my, I myself will be no more. Why then do anything? I therefore could not attach a rational meaning to a single act of my entire life. The only thing that amazed me was how I had failed to realize this from the very beginning. How could anyone fail to see this? It is possible to live as long as life intoxicates us. But once we are sober, we cannot help seeing that it is all a delusion. There's nothing funny or witty about it all. It is only cruel and stupid. You know, I, I feel like many of us, we intoxicate ourselves and we busy ourselves with the pursuits of life because we don't want to think about these hard questions. I'm just going to distract myself. And we don't bother thinking about the meaning of life until it starts really bothering us. And then many of us go through what's called a midlife crisis or a quarter-life crisis. Have you ever felt like that? Hey, I'm this age. I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm at this stage of my life. Why have I not accomplished more? Why am I not more secure? Why am I not who I thought I was supposed to be? Here, here, here's, some, uh, here's some indicators that you're probably in a quarter-life crisis. You got bangs. <laughs> you're buying adult coloring books. You're thinking about going on a silent meditation retreat thinking about hiring a life coach. You celebrate anytime you go to a bar and you get carded. You've developed mysterious stomach pains. <laughs> nothing feels right, but nothing feels wrong either. You're in pain because you slept wrong. You bought an air fryer. <laughs> Those are indicators you're probably in some sort of midlife crisis. And it's like we're given this program of life. You go to school, you go to college, you get a job, you start a family, and that's supposed to satisfy you. But then maybe something doesn't work out. Or maybe you accomplish all those things, but you still feel empty on the inside. And it never bothered you until it started bothering you. 
And this is what Tolstoy is saying. How did I not realize that everything we do in life is meaningless? We're just living to die. We're all going to die one day, so why even try right now? To quote Ecclesiastes like we covered all summer, everything is meaningless. And so to kind of comfort us, we as a, a secularized society have been taught that, you know, to get the most out of life, we need to increase pleasure and decrease pain. But when that doesn't work, we come to an existential crisis of what am I even doing here? And so we just choose that life is found in freedom. But the problem in freedom is that when you're free to do whatever you want, you're trapped because you realize every choice you make is meaningless. You know, there's a philosopher named Albert Camus, and he wrote, we modern people believe in absolute freedom. Many of us don't believe in God at all. Many of us don't believe in a God that you can know. Therefore, we believe in no God you can really know because we believe in freedom. If there was a God, and if there was a God we could know, who told us how we had to live and who gave us the rules and the regulations, well then, we wouldn't be free. But because we believe in freedom and because we don't believe in the traditional views of God, we are free. But if we're free, we're all like Syphysis. He had written a book called The Myth of Syphysis. This was a Greek philosophy. This was a thought that there was this God who needed to be punished. So Zeus put him in this eternal punishment where he had this big boulder and he had to roll it up a hill. And as he got to the top of the hill, the boulder rolled all the way back down and he had to start over again and again and again. And that was his eternal punishment. And when we operate in true freedom, we realize that we can do whatever we want because there's no purpose, but because there's no purpose, everything we're doing is meaningless. And so all of our lives, all of our work, all of our education, all of the milestones in our life is just leading up to get to the top of the hill, we die, and then life starts all over again without any meaning, without any progress. We roll this up, and then it rolls back down. We roll this up, and it rolls back down. And maybe you feel like that today. You're trapped in this never-ending cycle of meaninglessness. And the thing about this concept, it's, it's hard to live like there's no meaning in life. It creates a, another philosophical term called nihilism. If we're all going to die in the end, why even try? Why even try to have compassion? Why even try to do good in this world? Why even try to fight against injustice? Because we all end in the same place. And I know I'm getting a little philosophical here, but I, I want to build this foundation, especially as we're going through the Alpha series, because I believe that this holy discontent we feel in the meaningless, meaninglessness of life leads us to God. But here's the reality. When we try to operate in true freedom, when all of us choose to follow our heart and follow our own truth, it creates a very, very scary world. Because then we have to decide, how do we operate? Do we follow the majority rule? Do we follow a utilitarian view for the world and all of our decisions? And uh, let me give an example of this. You know, we are taught, going back to my science teacher, what she taught me, we're taught that humans are no different than animals. We all come from the same place. But then we cry out injustice when we treat people like animals. And so when we see wrong in this world, we cry out, injustice, injustice, this should not be. But when we cry out that something is wrong, we are playing a judge. 
And when we believe that things can be judged as right or wrong, we must believe that there is a higher judge, a moral lawmaker. And who can serve that role, role unless it's God? Who determines that's what is right and wrong? You know, uh, I want to illustrate this with an, another idea. I, I was once at the Minnesota Zoo School. That's where I actually went to high school. And that might answer a lot of your questions about how I am and how I got here today. So I went to the Minnesota Zoo School. It was literally a high school in the Minnesota Zoo. And uh, there are a lot of people that told me that, you know what, we just evolved from animals. So uh, there's no, like, we shouldn't eat animals. We shouldn't own animals. We shouldn't entrap them. And uh, this is really bad. And so I, I, I started a website in an organization called PAFA which stood for uh, protecting animals from animals. And I said, okay, if you're saying uh, I can't eat animals because that would be bad, I, I also want to say, since we're no different than animals, if humans can't eat animals, I don't think animals should be allowed to eat animals. So let's stop the lion from eating the gazelle. Let's stop the bear from eating the fish. Are you tracking with me? Am I getting too philosophical here? And, and, and people are like, well... I don't know if that's right, because then they'll die. And so I had to say, well, what's the difference between humans and animal, animals then? If I, if I can't eat an animal, an animal shouldn't be able to eat an animal. And then they said, well, no, that's not right. And I said, okay, then we just can't follow our own truths, can we? You're indicating that there's something different about humanity. And I said, you know what, as a believer, as a believer at this time, I agree with you. We're made in the image of God. God breathed life into us. And he says that you were created on a purpose and for a purpose. And so your life does matter. It's not just the survival of the fittest. It's you matter just as you are right now. And I, I've realized this, that when we all follow our own truth, I've seen this, that a truthless world leads to a ruthless world. Justice without truth is an indecisive mob. And me creating that PAFA website, I just exposed how fickle people are when you don't build your life on the truth of God's word. Right. When you say that this is wrong just because I feel like it, but I, I can't judge you, I can't tell you that this is absolute truth, uh, then I just have to convince you that that truth doesn't matter anymore, and I'll get you to say this. And this is so dangerous from a societal standpoint. I mean, I'm from a country that decided that the Tamil Sri Lankan people did not need to live. And so my country went through a genocide because the truth of that day was we need to get rid of these people. And so my family is a family of refugees because a whole people group decided to follow their own truth. You see why it's so important for us to believe in the Logos and that there's a design and a purpose for all of our lives and that we matter because a truthless world leads to a ruthless world. I love this quote by C.S. Lewis. He writes, my argument against God was that the universe seems so cruel and unjust. But how had I got this idea of just and unjust? Man does not call a line crooked unless he has some idea of a straight line. What was I comparing the universe with when I called it unjust? If the whole show was bad and senseless from A to Z, so to speak, why did I, who is supposed to be part of the show, find myself in such violent reaction against it? Man feels wet when he falls into water because man is not a water animal. 
A fish would not feel wet. Of course, I would give up my idea of justice by saying it was nothing but a private idea of my own. But if I did that, then my argument against God collapsed too. For the argument depended on saying that the world was really unjust, not simply that it did not happen to please my fancies. Thus, in the very act of trying to prove that God did not exist, in other words, that the whole of reality was senseless, I found I was forced to assume that one part of reality, namely my idea of justice, was full of sense. Consequently, atheism turns out to be too simple. If the whole universe has no meaning, we should have never found that it has no meaning. Just as if there were no light in the universe and therefore no creatures with eyes, we should never know it was dark. Dark would be a word without meaning. And so we, in our quest for meaning, prove that we're looking for someone to give our meaning. And his name is Jesus Christ. And now I've been really philosophical to build a foundation as we go through this Alpha series. But let me make it practical and let me bring it home a little bit. I believe that for those of us who are looking for purpose and meaning, I want to make it really simple. I believe that your purpose is to know and make known the one who gave you purpose. Your purpose is to know and make known the one who gave you purpose. Jesus wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. And when God created you, he didn't have an ulterior motive. He wanted relationship with you. He didn't create you to be a slave. He didn't create you to just be a hard worker. He didn't create you because he couldn't accomplish something himself. God created you for relationship with no ulterior motive. He wants you. And to me, that meant everything when I wanted to end my life. That the God of all of the universe wanted to know me. You know, I I have children, and I don't have an ulterior purpose for them. I love them because they are them. I don't create children to wash the dishes. There are better strategies. (laughs) And so I believe true freedom is surrendering to God. Another quote by Nirab Alphonse. He's a pastor who's actually spoken here before. We have an entire generation living in constant anxiety, worry, and languish because they were raised by pastors telling them that God is obsessed with them discovering their purpose. When in actuality, the message of Jesus is fundamentally about being unwaveringly committed to his purpose. And his purpose is for you to be loved and to know what it is to love. You know, this existential crisis, and the reason I'm taking this so serious by unpacking some of these concepts, because it came to a head in my life when I felt like both of my children were diagnosed with autism. Recently, my daughter, she has really kind of lost her special needs status in school. But when I thought I was not able to communicate with my kids, they couldn't make eye contact with me, when I felt I couldn't have a relationship with them the way I wanted, I felt like all of the values that were instilled with me in a South Asian home, you have to get a good job, you have to work hard, you have to get a house, you have to contribute to society. When I began to think of my my son through the ideas that I had been given, when I looked at my son through the lens of capitalism, I thought, well, he's just going to be a drain on society. And I hear a lot of people who believe in small government say, hey, you shouldn't just take tax money without contributing. Otherwise, you're a drain on society. You need to just pull, pull yourself up by your bootstraps in order to have a good functioning society. And I thought, mine, my son with autism, he could never be a good small government contributor. 
because he's a drain on society. He may never have a job. He may never go to college. He may never contribute taxes to America. And so with this capitalism lens, it would, it would be better for my son not to exist, right? Because he's not contributing to the GDP of America. And when I considered my son through the, the lens of Darwinistic evolution, I thought, oh, well, if humanity is all about getting better, it's the survival of the fittest. My son's not fit. He can't think well like we've been taught to think well. He may never get married. He may never procreate. So his life doesn't really matter. And so these messages that were going through my brain really started to take a toll on me. Like, what's the point of life? What's the point of my son's life? Would it, would it be better for him to live at all? When I looked at him through the idea of nihilism, that nothing matters, the whole universe is going to cease to exist one day, so why not, why not just put my son out of his misery right now? Let him die. Do you know how terrible it is to be a parent and not know what the purpose of your own child is? When you've been giving all these messages from the scientific community, from a small government capitalistic community, and all of culture is saying, your son's life doesn't matter. And I went to a pastor, and I was just, I was pastor in Bothell, Amrith, and I got breakfast with him, and he, he said something really powerful to me. He said, Pradeepan, I don't think the priorities of the meaning of life that you have in your heart are the same as God's. I think your son is valuable because he is a recipient of the love of God. I think your son is valuable because he was created in the image of God. And the one who can assign value is the one who created. In all of this universe, all that we've ever seen has this design by a designer. And these philosophies, we might say, follow your own truth. These philosophies that culture has taught us, yes, it might seem innocent and people can do whatever they want. But when we come against someone like my son, they come at a great cost and they torment our soul and they invoke a desire to find a meaning that's outside of our own strength, our own wisdom, and our own capacity. And maybe you're here today, you feel like you're in that quarter-life, mid-life crisis and you're like, I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I don't matter. But I want to tell you today that the God who created all of us, the God who created the universe, he's looking at you and he's saying, you matter. Your life is worth living. You were made on purpose for a purpose. Don't give up on life because God loves you. He likes you. He wants you. And you don't have to get your identity from the culture or anything else because Jesus says, for I know in Jeremiah 29, I know the plans I have for you. For those of us who are looking for a greater plan and meeting, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And so the purpose of life is to know and make known the one who gives you purpose. And for those of us who feel like, what's the point of life? It's Jesus. For those of us who feel like life doesn't matter, well, guess what? Jesus says, you do matter. Let's pray. 
Dear Lord, thank you so much for giving us freedom by surrendering to you. Lord, we know that true freedom comes by surrendering to your plan, your idea. Lord, I know many of us are trying to follow our own path and lives, but Lord, you prepared us ahead of time with an intention, an idea, and good plans and good works. You prepared us ahead of time on purpose for a purpose. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to be glorified in you. Pray, I pray that you would help us to find life in you. Lord, even right now, for those of us who have been going through this existential crisis, we've been feeling like we need to give up on life. I pray that you put the seed of your gospel in every heart here, that people would realize their great worth, their great identity, that you have called every single person here loved, blessed. You have called them on purpose. And Lord, I pray that that word will go deeper than any message we've been taught. We pray in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.